Welcome to the King's Church Amersham podcast. For more information and resources, go to www.kca.church. Hi, King's Church, Rob Wall here. I just want to say thank you so much for inviting me today. It's a privilege to speak and to share with you. It's always a real honour to be asked by the team. Uh, I love Phil, I love um, the church and I just love all that you're doing and I love following you guys on social media. It's kind of the only way we can connect right now, uh, but I love seeing all that you've been doing and Uh, Today, I want to jump straight in. I I feel like uh, I have a word uh, for those of us that are in transition. Transition. For those of you that don't know me, my my name's Rob and I'm based in Wembley, London, and I'm a speaker, uh, a writer, a coach, and uh, I really like to describe myself as a Christian that stands on the bridge between the church and the world. So I'm an ordained pastor and most of my time is spent coaching uh, Christians and non-Christians from from all over the world, really. So uh, that's me. And if I had time to sit down and have a coffee with you, I'd love to hear your story. But for now, I hope that what I share will um, encourage you in, in your journey and in your story. And as we kind of peel back uh, the layers, as it were, of what transition looks like, I hope it gives you language and gives you encouragement and gives you strength in the midst of what has been a turbulent, unprecedented season. And I'd like to read just one verse of scripture to you. It's kind of going to set the framework. It's going to be the headline and like almost a canvas in which we throw loads of principles at. But uh, I want to root it in the passage of scripture, one verse of scripture, in fact, from uh, the book of Revelation, that last book of the Bible penned by uh, the Apostle John at the Isle of Patmos, and he says this in Revelation 22, verse 13. I'm reading from the NIV version, the not infallible version, but it's a nice version, and I think one that we're universally used to. So NIV, Revelation 22, 13, John says this. I am, talking about God now, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. I want to talk to you today, as I've mentioned, on the theme of transition, but as I always like to tag titles to my talks, my title is simply this, Trapped in Transition. I feel as though this passage of scripture penned by John in exile is a passage of scripture that's pertinent, profound and really poignant for the season in which we all find ourselves. John exiled on the Isle of Patmos. Most of his friends have died. He's the only surviving Christian and he finds himself in transition. He's in the terrestrial, he's in the local setting, he's on earth and yet he's getting visions of the divine celestial God, God incarnate, Jesus Christ, his best friend, the one of whom he rested on the bosom of, um, the one that he said that he was Jesus's favourite, the one that saw Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration, rested with him in the Garden of Gethsemane and saw Jesus in his glory and yet saw Jesus in his suffering. This John is in transition as he waits for that glorious homecoming when he sits with Jesus and he meets Jesus face to face once again. And yet he's in transition. He's on earth 
and he's not yet gone to where he's called to go. And he has this vision in this middle place and this middle space called Earth. And he says, I am the Alpha. I am, I am the beginning. He says of God, I am the beginning. And then he says, I am the end. But many of us are people that can appreciate that verse and we can appreciate the truth and the sentiment and the promise of that verse. But the reality for many of us is we are not at the beginning. We are not at the end. We are in the middle. We are in transition and we're trapped in transition. The best illustration I can use to um, shed light on this point really is the fact that Bernadette and I often go traveling, uh, not just for holidays, for, for speaking. I get to travel globally, which is a real privilege and honor. And oftentimes when we go somewhere, I just want to speak, do my thing, get off stage, go home, open the fridge, get out a Coke, sit down, enjoy some Netflix. But Bernadette likes to stay in a couple more days so we can do all the touristy um, attractions and things. And, 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 you know, you know what it's like when you go on holiday and you've got someone with you that loves to see all the touristy things, which is great and very noble. However, um, one thing that frustrates me if I'm honest, we've only just met some of us, but, but let me be candid. One thing that frustrates me is um, Bernadette's uh, insatiable, um, irrational love for gift shops, the souvenir shops. And they're so clever, these shops. They know how to get you because it's as you're coming out that you're most vulnerable. It's as you're coming out from the touristy attraction that they put that shop perfectly placed when you're on the high, the adrenaline's going, you're off um, on a massive high from the experience you just had. They put a gift shop. So so when we went to New Zealand, we got a big toilet sign that says, um, uh, it's from, from Hobbiton, we went to New Zealand. There's a big toilet si sign saying, um, knock, knock, knock. And then there's a space. Knock, knock, knock. Only enter if available. And seems a silly sign, but we spent $20 on it. Another time we went to New York and we queued up for 20 minutes for the Rockefeller building. And we queued up and we spent $20 for a photo with a pretend backdrop and us looking as if we're falling off the Rockefeller building uh, with our, at the time, 10-week daughter. So, so souvenirs, gift shops, Bernadette loves it. But there's one place we went to in San Francisco called Alcatraz. And many of you know Alcatraz is a prison. And in 1961, many prisoners were inhabiting Alcatraz. And we went to the tour of Alcatraz. We did a touristy thing. Bernadette wanted us to do it. Don't worry, I'm going somewhere with this. And we put on a headset and we were listening to the history. And one thing stopped me in my tracks. We're walking around Alcatraz. It's surrounded. It's on an island surrounded by um, uh, a body of sea. And the man on my ear set grabbed my attention immediately. He said, what was so traumatic for the prisoners? was they were only a mile and a quarter away from land. In other words, every day they woke up and they could see where they wanted to be, but they couldn't swim to where they wanted to go. And anyone that did try and swim would drown because of the current pulling them under or taking them away, or they literally ran out of energy and ran out of strength because of the exhaustion that they experienced. And I got, it got me excited because it got me thinking how many of us can see where we want to go, can see the kind of people we want to be, can see the future opportunities that God's promised us, and yet we can't get to it. We're trapped in transition. And, and I, I think it's really important for us to grab this today because we've got to lean into the turns of transition. Uh, we used to live in Fulham and we used to pass a Harley Davidson 
uh, garage. And every day there'd be the same uh, guy on his motorbike with his partner, just polishing it outside the shop. And as I went to work, there was a person there that, that was just polishing his bike. Great guy. And one day he said to me as we walked past and exchanged niceties as we always do, he said to me, Rob, why don't you get on a bike? And I said, uh, I can think of better ways to die. Thank you very much. And he went, it's not dangerous. I went, uh, yes, it is. And he says, the only thing dangerous is when you have someone on your back on the bike and they don't lean into the turn. I was like, what do you mean don't lean into the turn? He said, basically, whenever you're on the bike going to your destination and you and your partner are about to take a turn, if the person on the bike behind you doesn't lean into that turn, then you're both going to fall off your bike, ruin the vehicle that gets you to your required destination, and you'll never experience what you're meant to experience because the person you're with didn't lean into the turn. And I think with transition, this is so powerful. With transition, we have to embrace it and we have to lean into it. Because many of us are in an in-between season. Some of us have been furloughed. Others of us haven't met up with another person face-to-face -face for nearly a year. Um, others can't plan for the future. We can't take holidays. We can't see family members. We're, we're trapped in transition. And I'd like to suggest today, not all transition is negative. Some transition is necessary. Sometimes the greatest thing God can give you is a season of transition. But transition is awkward. Sometimes we don't have language for transition. You know, that's why teenagers find life so difficult, because they're too old to be treated like children, but they're still too immature to be treated like adults. And so they've outgrown where they were, but they're still not strong enough and mature enough to be treated how they need to be treated when they arrive at that state of maturity. And maybe you're watching this today and you're like, Rob, yes, that's me. The worst thing in transition is someone asking you how you are and what you're up to because there's no language for it. And instead of asking when, instead of asking why, we need to start asking how. Not when, not why, but how. How is God going to shape me and mould me in this season so that I can be everything he's called me to be? Time magazine said 2020 was the year of storms. And the question we need to ask ourselves today is, as Christians, how do we transition through the storm? Because the macro storm is COVID-19. The macro storm is racial injustice. The macro storm is um, leadership issues all over the globe. The macro story is political um, upheaval and unrest. Uh, but, but there are also um, micro stories. There's storms within storms. You could be having a family breakdown. We found out this week a dear friend of ours at 39 years old, a week before, a week before her 40th birthday, she, she died of cancer last, last week. Um, you've got family members that will have had um, illness and maybe COVID. My, my sister's father-in-law, he uh, was on a ventilator and it was 50-50 whether he would survive from COVID. And fortunately, prayers were answered and, and he's back at home now. But you can have storms within storms. And I'd like to suggest that we can't neglect the reality of the situation we're in right now. We can't pretend everything's OK. We can say we have hope. We can know God's the alpha, the beginning. It starts with him. We can know it's also the fact that he's he's the end, that it will end well, that he has defeated death, hell and the grave. We, we know that. But but what do you do when you're in the middle? I believe God wants to do some things in our lives in the middle season that he couldn't do any other way. 
You know, in the Old Testament, when the Israelites were at a place called Gilgal, Gilgal means the place to cut away. There was a whole generation of Israelites that still hadn't been circumcised. And as many of you know, an Israelite boy should have been circumcised on the eighth day. But you had adults that still hadn't had the ritual that they should have had as children. So the principle is this. You have adults that are still carrying around with them flesh that should have been cut away a long time ago. And what stopped them, this was the thing that stopped them from entering the promised land. They had still not cut away the very thing that required them to be in covenant with God. And for some of us, we're at Gilgal right now. We're in a place of transition. It's in Gilgal that God cuts away some things. Maybe he wants to cut away some individuals that have been toxic in, in your life. Like, Are there people that you spend time with and you leave feeling um, depleted of energy and resources simply because you've spent time with them and they've not built you up, but they've torn you down? Relationships have to be reciprocal. Kingdom relationships that last are reciprocal. I know religion has told us that you're just to give, 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 give. But but you'll know if your output exceeds your input, then your upkeep will be your downfall. And so you need to make deposits into relationships and withdrawals. If you keep withdrawing from people, you're going to be relationally bankrupt. Moreover, you can never give them the truth in situations because you haven't built a bridge that can carry the weight of truth. Some of us try to share truth without first building trust. And when you try and share truth without building trust, the bridge upon which you're trying to transport that truth to the other person can't hold because you haven't spent the time putting in that relational work and taking the time to build trust to make it happen. So in this in-between time, maybe it's not alpha omega, maybe it's beta, maybe it's alpha beta, maybe it's the beta stage right now. And God's saying, you know, Establish relationships whereby it's reciprocal, giving, receiving, not giving to receive, but making sure that you become a person that deposits into people's lives, withdraws, but, but it's reciprocal, back and forth, back and forth. So a prayer I pray daily, really practical, is Lord, send me my circle. In this season, send me my circle. Send me the people that are going to make me more like you. Those of you that are married, may I encouraging say to you, encouragingly say to you today, are you making your partner more like Jesus? Are, are you encouraging them to be more like Jesus? Are you loving them to be more like Jesus? Are you inspiring them to be more like Jesus? Is your prayer life so encouraging that that they can't help but be led by by you because your life's an inspiration? Single people, dating, waiting, whatever your status is right now. Can I just encourage you to live lives that are inspiring to other people? That you lead yourself first, which equips and enables and really qualifies you to leave, uh, lead others first. You know, the word leadership doesn't actually appear in the Bible, but um, the word shepherd does. And a shepherd cares for his flock and a shepherd looks out for the one and the shepherd cares for his sheep. So can I encourage you, maybe in this season, part of the cutting back, the stripping away is for you to embrace a season of obscurity and anonymity and unfamiliarity so that God can deposit in your heart what he needs. You know, when Gracie was one year 
old. We have an um, 18-month daughter. We have another child on the way. And Gracie was about to hit one years old. And she has this huge toy sack, like huge toy sack. And it's full of her toys, obviously. And before her birthday, I thought what would be a really nice idea as her father, as a father who wants to give good gifts to his daughter, I was going to fill her toy sack with brand new toys all wrapped up, ready for her to open. So when she woke up that morning on her first birthday, she'd crawl over and she'd be able to look in the toy bag and see new toys. But that evening when I went to put new toys in that toy bag, I took a step back and laughed because when I looked into the toy bag, she'd filled her toy bag with a load of recycling stuff. Our recycling bins were in the house and she just filled out empty milk bottles and put that in her toy sack. She put old crisp packets, put that in the toy sack and it was full to the brim. And so me as her loving father wanted to fill, fill her, her cup as it were to overflowing with blessing. But she'd filled it with so much junk, there was no place to put it. And sometimes I think God wants to fill our lives with new people and new experiences and new blessings because we're still holding on and filling our sack with so much stuff and so much rubbish and so much junk. God's like, I want to bless you, but at the moment there's no space to put it. Are you making room for God to bless you in this season? What do you need to empty out so that God can enter in? Is it more worship time, making space to hear from God? Is it more prayer time? Is it actually just setting aside time to commune with God? What is the thing in your life right now that God wants to strip back? Because between the alpha, the beginning, and between the omega, the end, between those two things, that middle season, the time of transition is a cutting away. It's a stripping back. It's God saying, I know you're uncomfortable, but I'd rather you go through the discomfort of this season because I know on the other side of it, there's a person that's not only going to fulfill his potential, but it's going to glorify God. I've been writing content for a Bible app called Glorify, and we launched about a year ago. It's really exciting. Uh, we get about 25,000 people uh, read the devotions each day. And, and if you looked at the app, you'd think that's really professional. That looks amazing. But I joined the app from day one. And we had what's called a beta app, which is a test app. It's stripped back. It's basic. And every day people would report bugs in the software and people would report the bugs that they were experiencing when they downloaded the app. And we weren't too worried about it because when it's in beta or beta, whichever one you want to call it, when it's in beta, that's the point when you have the space and the time to weed out all the weaknesses so that when you launch the real thing, it's powerful and it's been tested and it's going to be refined and it's going to come out as pure gold. And so the reason we've had over 150,000 downloads of the app in a year is because we took the time to just rest and sit in the beta mode. And some of you are in beta mode. Some of you are in that season where God's taking away some of the bugs. He's taking away some of the weaknesses. He's taking away some of the areas that are not going to serve you well in the future. And I really believe that that's God, what God wants to do. You know, he, he wants to reassure you he's the first. He wants to reassure you that he's the last. But at the same time, he wants to make sure you know who you are and whose you are. And that's really, really key. 
I also think that um, you've got to give up to go up. You've got to give it up to go up. It matters in moments of transition what you cling on to. Some things, please hear this. This might be the only thing worth getting from today. But but please, please, if you've if you're drinking your cup of coffee this morning, if you've got the TV on in the background, if the kid's playing up, just just almost um, metaphorically mute them in your mind and hear this. Some things don't need refining. They simply need releasing. This is someone's word for the year. Some things don't need refining. They need releasing. And God never ever ask you to give something up if he's not going to exchange it for something better. You know what I think the biggest issue with us trusting God for provision is? It's not that we don't believe God will provide for us. It's that we don't believe he's going to provide to the level he's previously provided on. I'm not just talking materially, possessions wise, but Let's talk about resources for a moment. What if God in this season is stripping back what you had so that you don't become dependent on the manna in the wilderness because you've outgrown it. You've outgrown the handouts. You've outgrown the random checks in the post. You've outgrown the Bible verses that just pop out at you as soon as you open the Bible. That's great. Being spoon fed is great. But as the writer of Hebrews says, sometimes we need to move away from milk to solids. And this transition period is is a, a giving up of, of the easy, the comfortable, so that you don't fall into complacency, but instead you dig deeper in your relationship with Christ. Paul says, may the eyes of my heart be enlightened. So maybe God's saying to you today, you don't need to be refined. Maybe you simply need to release. I also think not only we need to give it up to go up, we need to worship through it. So giving up to go up is about sacrifice, but worshipping through it is surrender. I have on my calendar every single day from 1 till 2 p.m. my lunch break, walk and worship. I walk around Wembley with my Beats headphones on. And I just worship. And it's about abiding, not striving. I don't pray. I don't ask for anything. I don't project all my issues and annoying circumstances and frustrations onto God. One hour I worship for one hour. You say, that's ages, Rob. It is. It's an album. I worship for an album. And I realise it just reorientates my thinking. And and it reminds me that there's favour in my famine. That there's blessings to be had. You know... This is as good as it gets because you have just as much of God's presence now as you will when everything's sorted. When you come out of transition, you have just as much of God there as you do now. So are you accessing? Are you appropriating what you have right now? Focus less on the promise and, and, and prioritize his presence. His presence is here now. Jacob said, surely the Lord is in this place. Surely he's here right now. He is. So reorientate your mind to worship. It renews your perspective. It reminds you of who you are in him and who he is for you. We've got to stop obsessing over who is following us and obsess over the one we're meant to be following. We're meant to be abiding, not striving. There's a level where you can only get into what God has for you by spending time worshipping him. I guarantee you want to be more secure? Worship. 
You want to know who you are? Worship. You want to be more loving to others? Worship. You know, God will meet you in the middle of your nowhere. And you know, the words nowhere and now here are the exact same words, but a different mindset. Most in transition say, I'm nowhere. But let's just create a pause. Let worship create the space. And instead of I'm nowhere, transition could be a mindset of now here. I'm now here. So God is in this place. God's presence is with me now. What does he want to teach me through this? God reminds you of his promises in worship, but more importantly, he'll reveal his presence. Focus on presence over promises. So worship through it. Give it up to go up. Notice I'm giving you the it's in transition. <laughs> I love playing on words. I'm, I like wordsmithing. Um, transitions training. Are you leaning in to the new and saying goodbye to the old? Because in order to say, say hello to something new, you've got to say goodbye to something old. That's not just pretty preaching. That, that, that is truth. Um, next, I'd say don't try in transition. Don't try to make it happen. So often we get kind of discontent and we start to try and force things through. And yes, pray like it depends on God and work like it depends on you. But instead of asking God to bless what you're doing, why don't you enter into what God is already blessing? So many people in this season are doing noble endeavours, entrepreneurs starting new apps, starting new businesses, pastors entering into the workplace and creating opportunities, coaching, speaking. It's wonderful. But let's just make sure our motives are pure, that we're not starting something out of impatience and frustration, but instead we're acting on a word God's given us. Peter only walked on water because Jesus told him to get out of the boat. Peter only went when Jesus said, come. And let's make sure we come, we go when Jesus says, come. The greatest anointing oil is produced in transition. And as I come into land, of course, I've challenged you to sacrifice, give it up to go up. I've invited you to worship through it. That's surrender. I've, I've invited you to don't make it happen. That's about striving, striving, sacrifice, surrender. Worshipping through it, giving it up to go up and not trying to make it happen. But, but I want to land by talking about the last thing I think you need to cut off and cut out of your life in transition. And when you do this, the situation might not change immediately, but the perspective of who you are will change. Because before you enter Canaan, the promised land, the metaphorical promised land, yes, it was a historical place, but, but before you met, enter the next season of your life, before you get to your San Francisco, so to speak, your mindset needs to go there before your physical body gets there. You know, the Israelites entered the promised land to spy it out and only two of them had the mindset to believe that they were ready for it. Nowhere in the text, if you remember, they saw giants in that land when they spied it out and they said, but we are but grasshoppers in their sight. Nowhere does it say that anyone called them grasshoppers. It was how they saw themselves. It was how they saw themselves. And, and as we're talking about the children of Israel, I want to end with one Bible character. And, and I believe it's a word for us. Um, but before I do that, I just want to remind you, when an eagle has a baby eagle in the nest with it, for that 
baby eagle to fly at some point, the mother has to shake the nest and has to push out their baby eagle so that it can learn to fly. And the shaking of the nest results in the eagle falling, the baby eagle falling. And it's in the fall that the baby eagle finds its wings. And some of you are in a season where God's shaking the nest. Maybe the provision's running out. Maybe the relationship's reaching an end. Maybe work's getting more difficult. Maybe you're getting more agitated and irritated. Remember, it's the irritant of the sand that creates the pearl on the shore. That God's creating a pearl in you, but he's shaking the nest. He's shaking the nest. And I end with this with Joshua. We all know Moses led the people through the Red Sea into the Promised Land. But there's a moment in Joshua 5 when Joshua arrives at the same place as Moses did. Joshua has all the people of Israel behind him. And Joshua looks back and he thinks to himself, well, Moses had a staff. I don't have a staff. What do I do? How do I lead these people that I'm entrusted with? How do I lead them through the water? And the scripture says that God tells him in Joshua 5 to step into the water. Step into the water and the people will pass through with the Ark of the Covenant. And just get in Joshua's mind for a moment. You've got the Red Sea in front of you and God's told you to take a step. But you can't see the result of that step. Joshua must have said, yeah, Lord, but Moses had a staff. I, I have nothing. But but Lord, the, the water's cold, uh, but I've got nothing. Look, Lord, you told me to step out, but but I could drown. Like, Lord. And it's in that moment. And it's the moment for you today in transition. Joshua had a choice to stop or to step. To stay in the wilderness or to step into the promised land. And I want to encourage you today in transition. I said it was called Trapped in Transition. Really, this message is called Take a Step. Take a step into the water. And, and Joshua took a step. And as he took a step, the waters began to part. And why could Joshua lead the people through the wilderness? Because there'd been a cutting away at Gilgal. As I finish this message to you today, can I encourage you, this is a difficult time, but what God's developing in you is not for your destruction, it's for your development. That you're going to come out of this lockdown better, stronger, wiser, humbler, mightier, more courageous than, than before. You're not trapped. You're training. And God wants you to step into the uncertainty. Step in to what's fear, fearful. Like Step into what's anxious and, and what's worrying you and, and what's scaring you. What's keeping you up at night. Step into it. And when you do, God will surely come through. And you will have greater trust in him. In a moment, I'm going to pray for you, but I would love to invite you to a webinar I'm doing on February the 20th. It's a free webinar. You can register by going on my Instagram, uh, which is at RobWallOfficial. Or if you go to RobWallOfficial.com, I would love to uh, invite you to that and to keep you updated on everything that's going on. We're building a community of people that um, want to add value to others and, and then multiply that value uh, all over the place. So, so please do come onto um, our media channels and, and say hello. We, we'd love to hear how today's blessed you, if it has, and um, 
that would be wonderful. So, so Lord, I just pray right now. I'm short of speech just because I, I sense someone is really being ministered to and, and I don't want to get in the way of that. So, Lord, would you, you help them to not bury their frustration, but would you bless it and use it for your glory? Move them into deeper revelations of who they are in you. May they not try and force anything through striving. May they trust you in worship and surrender. And would they give something up that you're calling them to give up to make space for what you want to give them in this next season? They're not trapped. They're in training. Be with them, Lord, we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you and see you soon. Hello. Father, we thank you for this world in which we live and all your provisions for us. We thank Thank you for listening. For further podcasts or information, go to www.kca.church.